Welcome to Conversatio, the Belmont Abbey College podcast. I'm Julia Long, and today I'm joined by Father Matthew Schneider. Father, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Before we get started, um, I'd just love for you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm a Catholic priest with the Legionaries of Christ. The Legionaries are a religious community. Um, we're all over Latin America and Europe and things like that, and uh, our, our mission is really to help form people to be apostles at the service of the church. Great. And at least for now, I'm teaching here at Belmont, teaching <laughs> theology. Um, I'm originally from Calgary, Canada. Uh, my whole family still lives up there. Uh, you know, I'm somewhat well known on social media and Catholic circles for writing articles and, yeah. <laughs> you know, tweeting and things like that. And uh, I just finished my doctoral thesis in uh, at the end of June, July there. Oh, so uh, that's that's why that's kind of the transition to teaching uh, this yeah. semester. So what was your thesis on? My thesis was on uh, a Catholic theological analysis of the right to informational privacy. So it sounds kind of abstract, but the application to it, which I didn't get into as much, I stayed more on principles, yeah. would be things like uh, the NSA or Facebook uh-huh. spying on you, or yeah. your boss asks you for a genetic test, uh-huh. or uh, like HIPAA, the health privacy uh, sure. rules and things like that. So that would be the application of it. There really wasn't much in kind of Catholic theology on that. There's a lot sure. in kind of secular thought. And I thought, well, what can Catholic theology add to this discussion? And so that's where that's where I went with, uh, you know, 400 pages later, I have a doctoral <laughs> thesis out of it. So it's really crazy how that happens. That's similar, not 400 pages, but I did a master's thesis a couple of years ago. And um, it's crazy how it at some point takes on a life of its own. Um, Well, I really am excited about our discussion today. So for some context for the audience, um, many of you may have seen the same tweet I saw from Britney Spears um, a little bit ago about um, not being permitted uh, to marry in the Catholic Church. And um, she seemed a little bit disappointed by this fact. And the tweet that I saw was included in an article. Um, And Father, you were quoted in that article. Um, and being a Protestant myself, I'm not um, very familiar with the um, requirements to get married in the Catholic Church or um, the historical context. Why? Yeah. So I thought that this might be a really good opportunity for myself to be educated um, and maybe for our audience to learn a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, so I think a good place to start is just um, what... First of all, for maybe our listeners who aren't as familiar, what happened with Brittany, right? Let's okay. let's get into that. Yeah. So bit. Brittany uh, had was visiting uh, some beautiful church out in the LA area. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. Yeah. And she said, "Oh, I want to be married here, but they said I had to be Catholic and had to do some kind of test or something like that." Yeah. Which does kind of correspond to a Catholic wedding. Like one of the two parties has to be Catholic and you have to do some kind of preparation where you agree to follow church teaching and that. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then she took to Twitter and shared. And then I think it was really interesting to see some of the discussion. Some people, um, I, uh, you know, came out and kind of in support of, oh, y- y- well, yes, of course you would need to be Catholic. And then others were saying, why would you need to be, you know, couldn't you just get married in the place? So I think this is a good opportunity for you to help um, myself and our audience understand what is a Catholic wedding? What constitutes a Catholic wedding? Well, I think we have to understand how the church understands uh, um, marriage, because marriage ultimately is a reflection of the wedding between Christ and the church as sure. a model for Catholic marriage. And Christ gave himself to the church, and the church gives, gives itself to Christ completely. And that's kind of the model of, of, of a Catholic wedding. So that's like the the kind of ideal. And that's also where we get a lot of the things that, you know, Catholics are known for that, you know, it has to be a man and a woman. It can't be 
one man and three women. <laughs> uh, you know, it has to be open to life because that self-giving and that openness, uh, yeah. you know, and things like that. So those type of those type of realities are like the m- most fundamental reality of the Catholic Church understanding of marriage in that sense is, is that sacramental understanding. Obviously, we also recognize a natural marriage. So, you know, two non-Catholics get married, uh, you know, to to atheists or mm-hmm. to Hindus or whatever else, it's it's still it's still a valid marriage, right. what we call a natural marriage, and it still should follow the same principles. It doesn't have the same motivation because there's not like that same spiritual connection, uh, you know, with Christ in the church. You know, like two Hindus are not imitating Christ in the church. Uh, they're not or, or imitating. Sometimes it's also referred to in the Trinity, the Father and the Son, and then they bring forth the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but the Hindus aren't imitating that either. So they're just right. like. A man and a woman married, you know, have their three kids or whatever. And, and, and the like church that. would recognize that as a natural marriage. Yes, it would recognize it would recognize that as a natural marriage, assuming the the proper things are in place for a natural marriage. Sure. And what are those proper things in place for a natural marriage? So, <clears throat> it needs to be it needs to be a man and a woman because it's kind of you know the the definition of a marriage is includes like you know for the procreation education of children and like a man and a woman are the only way to make children uh and it needs to be open to children not to say that it's necessarily going to have children like if you have a widow and widower who get married at 60 they probably are assuming that they won't have children unless there's a miracle or if there's some kind of medical issue one of them already knows most likely they can't have kids things like that um it needs to be exclusive in the sense that i intend just for you for the rest of my life i'm not going to be with other women or other men, yeah, uh, and then and then permanent in the sense that till death do us part. That we all that you know everybody has remembered from wedding vows that they've been to at weddings and things, and not just kind of like <clears throat> we're going to do a trial marriage for the next three years, sure. and then we'll see if we're going to actually have a marriage. <laughs> yeah, and are those um, are those three principles the same for a sacramental marriage, or or are there additional ones? <clears throat> There's there's a few slight variations in in details there in the sense, but uh, there's they're they're essentially the same. Okay, so and you hit on this a little bit, but um, I had a friend who was not Catholic. She fell in love with a man who was. She was Protestant. They live in France now. They're married. Uh, he is Catholic now. She is Catholic. Yeah. They were married in the Catholic Church. Is there um, you know kind of a um, a need for uh, individuals who are not Catholic to convert to the faith to be married? Or is that just more of a personal choice? It's more of a personal choice. There's a requirement that, that they would allow their children to be raised Catholic if they have any children from the marriage and that they agree to the principles of, of Catholic marriage in that sense, you know, we talked about. But they don't have to have to convert like she got married before she converted i have a brother-in-law who was in a similar situation who's now catholic but was not when he got married to my sister uh and things like that so those that that can happen the conversion but it's not that uh necessary to get married in a catholic church you need one of the two parties to be catholic you don't need both to be catholic okay and are there differences um in the actual ceremony between two catholic individuals and and not not really significantly. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, uh, you know, that would be different. So, okay. yeah. So I think um, this is a point of discussion uh, in the public space about um, 
being able to be married in in the Catholic Church. And I think one thing that always helps is to understand how we got here. Yeah. Um, and the historical context. So can you tell us a little bit about how we got here? Okay. Well, I think there's kind of three points. First of all, you know, like any kind of group, if you have a religious house for that group, you're generally going to, at least one of the two parties getting married is going to need to be in that group. You know, like, yeah. like if, uh, if some friends of mine who were like a Christian and an atheist went to ask the synagogue, I wouldn't, unless one of them is, you know, unless, you know, the synagogue is not going to say, yeah, come in because neither of you is Jewish. Like we'll do a wedding, but if one of you is Jewish, not if neither of you is. And I would expect the same thing from other religious houses, most likely as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's the first thing. The second thing is really uh, that a lot of it goes back to to that idea of the union of Christ and the church. You know, in the sense, it's a primordial sacrament. Adam and Eve were married. Uh, you know, as the first the first man and first woman. That's the sacrament they had. Yeah. And so we have it kind of like at the very very beginning. We have marriage, and that marriage is that union in that sense. So and, and it has those those factors we talked about. You know, that openness to children, that permanence, and that exclusivity. And then. The the third thing that's kind of interesting historically is about five, six hundred years ago, there was kind of a social issue where people would secretly get married and nobody in town knew about it. And then it's, mm-hmm. it became kind of difficult because to a certain extent, part of the nature of marriage is that it's public today. Like if you get sure. married, it's registered with the state. It's sure. usually with a ceremony that's open to a whole bunch of people. Yeah. In the church, there is a uh, requirement that you basically that it's posted, usually it's on like the parish website, parish bulletin, like so-and-so is going to get married. Uh, yeah. You know, if there's an issue, please <laughs> Yeah, speak now or forever, hold your peace. Well, no, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, in the church, it's not just at the wedding, it's actually supposed to be in like the bulletin or something like that or on the yeah. website. And that's and that's not as needed today because you have all these electronic records and things. Yeah. But if you go back a few hundred years, post that in the town square, somebody else might be like, like she said she was married to this other guy, like told me like, you know, 20, like five years ago. So that things like that, that, you know, aren't as, aren't, weren't records weren't kept as well 200 years ago or whatever else and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that, and so it's an issue if people don't know. And so what, ha- what was happening in these secret marriages, so the church being kind of the one who registered marriages in the society at that time, yeah. basically said all the Catholics have to follow canonical form, which is basically a church wedding or an approval from the church to have a wedding in some other form from a Catholic church, which, yeah. you know, Rarely given, but occasionally given for other for other circumstances for exceptional circumstances. So it's basically that the that the church has you have to follow that form being married in a church or be married with permission outside of a church. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's so interesting to me because, and this is probably not the space to get into it, but we know that kind of a recurring hot topic in society is the separation of church and state (laughs) and all of these types of things. And people have different views about what, you know, religious parties should be involved in and what they shouldn't. But um, you pointed out a little bit ago when we were offline that um, one of the things is that this was actually the church's responsibility first um, to kind of um, I don't know, what did you say, like help guide or, you know, how well, intervene when um, marriage, you know, help. Uh, well, the, the thing was that the, that the uh, like for for Catholics, and I think a lot of tradition, like more traditional Protestants, you keep a registration at the church. Like, right. Like I was baptized in St. Thomas More Church in Calgary. And if you go to St. Thomas More Church and you pull out my record, it will have that I'm, I was ordained a priest. So, uh-huh. and, <laughs> and if I was going to, if I wanted, if I like, 
disappeared, went somewhere else and tried to be like, I want to get married. Then they're going to call up St. Thomas More Church and say, can we this record? No, he's ordained. A pr- he's a priest. He can't get married. Right. <laughs> like, right. Uh, you know, um, and so and so that record keeping has gone back far in the church. And so the church was responsible for a lot of the records until more recently. It was only around the around 1800, around the French Revolution, that they that it started being that marriages started being recognized by the state. Uh, directly for all people. I, some had earlier more just for nobles because like noble <laughs> noble descent mattered. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, for the common, you know, for a farmer in, in the 1600s, uh, it was the church that registered his marriage, not the state at all. That's really interesting historical fact. <laughs> the other things, the other thing that comes to mind goes back to the first point you said, which was that um, it, it would be assumed that wherever the wedding was being held, that at least one of those parties would have an affiliation to yeah. that. Use the exam- example of the synagogue, right? Yeah. And why maybe a Protestant and an atheist would want to get married at a synagogue. One thing that I think, though, happens, especially in today's society around marriage, is that people are getting married outside the church. I just saw an article recently about a couple that in Tennessee, which is where I'm from, so I love Tennessee for everyone who's listening, but um, a couple in Tennessee who wanted to to get married in Italy and couldn't afford it so they went and got married at an olive garden and <laughs> their photos actually were quite beautiful they did it against the old stone and it was really beautiful but I mean I think so it's really I think there's an interesting point here because when we think historically about what you bring up about the marriages were registered in the church because it was a, um, a religious union a commitment marriage was right and now we're seeing that kind of um I mean, for some it's still very important but we're also seeing society as a whole kind of take it and put their own unique spin on it right from waffle house to olive garden <laughs> and it's like okay yeah <laughs> I, I i i don't know of too many weddings like that i know like um barns are popular these in, days in extended in extended friends and family from my from my family nobody in my immediate family gotten married like a convention center or, or on a ranch yeah. or something like that yeah and those those are the things i think one of the challenges is that is that when the churches were in charge of weddings exclusively and the state wasn't involved at all, most towns at least, and even whole societies, were relatively religiously homogenous in that sense. Like they were all pretty much, like everybody was Catholic, 95% plus of the of the town was Catholic. And the other 5% might put on the, you know, might officially get baptized even though they don't believe it and put on the air just so they can, you know, participate in society in that sense. Whereas sure. whereas we live in a very pluralistic society. So you have, you know, Catholics, Protestants, atheists, uh, Muslims, Jews, uh, Hindus, etc., all all in all in the US. And I think in that sense there is there is that sense. And I think a lot of it is that that loss of a religious sense where a lot right. of the people who are doing that they're they're atheists or they're like we're, we're religious and we're Christians, but like we go to church occasionally, we pray occasionally. We're not really like living the faith in a in a week to week basis in that sense. Because I don't, I think most people who are going to a Catholic or Protestant service at least once a week are going to want to get married in their church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I will say we kind of had an interesting situation because we got married um, 
on family property in Tennessee, which was an old Tennessee walking horse farm. Oh, okay. Uh, we did not get married in our church um, because mainly we, my husband and I, uh, grew up in two different churches and were in the process of church searching together. Oh, okay. um, and so we had not, we have, yeah. of course, a church now, but at the time, uh, we each had our own churches. And so we thought, okay, well, we got married on family property and we got married by his childhood pastor. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, no, in that sense, in that sense, like, I mean, by church wedding is like with an official, like, you know, pastor yes. officiating things because, uh, you know, a lot of Protestant churches are a-okay with outdoor weddings and the and just bringing the pastor or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the Catholic church in general is kind of hesitant about those. Okay. There's, uh, there's a few places where like the diocese permitted them, but they want to have, make sure you have a backup at an actual church in case like rain, it rains or snows <laughs> or something or inclement weather. Yeah. And I think personally, I think it'd be a great thing for a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of dioceses have like a shrine just outside of town. Uh-huh. It's like a Marian shrine or something. Oh yeah. And, and if, and if I was a bishop or I was in charge, I'd be like, let's set up an outdoor wedding chapel yeah. there. So then it's fully Catholic, you know, everything else. And then the Catholics who want to get married outside, they can rent that space for, you know, two hours on, yeah. on Saturday, yeah. get married outside yeah. in the garden chapel and yeah. fulfill their dreams and follow everything the Catholic Church teaches. Because I do think that there's a beauty in nature that's yeah. that, that is that is proper to, you know, that sense as well. It's not just like, you know, the stained glass and things like that. Like I I really enjoy kind of uh you know, where you have kind of that combination of like the beauty of nature and the religious sense. Like sure. like in my office it's uh, I have a picture up there and it's uh a church in the woods and there's like some cardinals mm. like the birds in the oh, foreground yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know and that's and that's kind of like a beautiful kind of the combination of the nature and yeah and, a, and yeah, religious god's creation um I, I was thinking while you were talking that it's such an important point when we think about catholic marriage because and even protestant marriage really but the point of today is catholic marriage and we you know we kind of laid out the three um principles and stipulations if you will but then i think there's a larger um a larger commitment here, right? Maybe that's even once you, okay, you've gotten married in the Catholic church, you've agreed to these three things, but you're also agreeing to honor God and honor one another, right? And live a life together based on biblical. Oh, definitely. Right. Definitely. I mean, in that sense, like you're going to live all the things like that, you know, because it's, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, I promise to honor and respect all the days of my life or the variation of the wedding thing, the wedding vows in that sense. And and those are, and that's part of it, you know, that you are going to honor and respect that other person. You are going to live according to, to the principles of the Bible and the catechism and things like that. Yeah. And there's also things like that didn't bring in, like, you have to be free to marry. Like, like if, if, uh, you know, Joe gets Jane pregnant and Jane's dad comes over to Joe and says with a shotgun mm-hmm. and says, you marry, you marry my daughter or else. Yeah. There's a good chance. He's not really free in that sense to marry in yeah. that marriage. She's just Likely like, he's not. just like, he's, if I don't do this, he's going to shoot me, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so there is, there is a sense in the Catholic church. You have to be free. And that's when you do the preparation for marriage, you have, you usually meet with a priest or somebody else at the church and they, and they have a few questions, you know, making sure all those kind of things like, you know, permanent, exclusive, open to children, but also making sure you're free and not like coerced or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and there's a few other questions too, but that those kind of things to make sure that you're ready and make sure that you intend to, to live according to biblical principles, live according to what the catechism teaches in that sense. I'm glad you brought that up because I think the concept of being free and um, as it relates to accepting marriage is similar to how 
um, God feels about giving us free will. Yeah. You know, we're not puppets. He didn't say, here's earth, you have to follow me. He gave us a choice. Yeah. Um, and marriage, I think, is a little bit uh, parallel with that. You know, in faith, you choose to follow God every day. Yeah. Um, and in marriage, you choose to love that person every day. Yeah. So um, I think what we were talking about earlier, and again, no judgment to anyone who's getting married in a barn. I got married outside. But I think what we're seeing here, right, is a little bit of a societal shift. Yeah. Um, where the place shifts and maybe even some of the ideals shift, right? And then we come back to the importance of, okay, getting married in the Catholic Church and really making that commitment um, to have a biblical Christ-centered marriage. Oh, definitely. And I think that that's, that's really, that's really, that's really a, a good point of it. You, you know, even like when you were saying, like you got married in, on the farm, but you had like, you know, you had a, pro, a pastor, you know, yes. the, the childhood pastor come in and things. And yes. so it was like, you know, it was probably, and he probably followed the exact same form he would have followed had you been in his church. Yeah. Uh, as far as like, you know, we do this, then we have, these, these yeah. are the vows we use and you know this is the blessing I give every couple yeah, or something you know, I know do. I don't know exactly what different <laughs> Protestants have slightly different things of those but the the general gist is is yeah, the same uh, and so and so I think in that sense we have a lot to 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 learn uh, you know we have a lot we have a lot to learn in our society to really go back to that religious sense to bring in that religious sense to marriage because it's not really just a union between the man and the woman it's also a union with jesus in that sense when it's a sacrament right. so it's uh you know fulton sheen who's a famous catholic archbishop from the mid 20th century probably the best preacher of the mid 20th century if you mm. ever if you ever want to listen to him he talked about his three to get married you know it's the husband the wife and the lord yeah. in that sense <laughs> yeah and you were saying earlier when we were talking about the history behind this that originally the church kind of managed you know this uh, marriage is a religious union and then you know the state came and said like hey that we actually need to have this registered through us as well yeah. which in itself is not bad right you can see kind of the um, logical reasons for why this might need to happen but you could also see um, how with the societal shift um, it, it needs to not be just something regulated by the state and no religious uh, affiliations, you know, I mean, you could say that that um, is a tough thing for a marriage to not be centered in Christ. So there's kind of that dichotomy there, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that the church in that sense, the church in most cases, the vast majority of cases requires that if you get married in the church is also recognized by the state. Yeah. There's a few exceptions and things like that. But like, you know, I did my sister's wedding about a year ago right after they did the vows in the church and they're officially married in the church went to the sacristy where we all like the priest puts on all our gowns yeah. and things and they signed the thing yeah. the document for the state you know and the sure. best man and best woman not the best woman maid of honor <laughs> <laughs> maid of honor signed as well as the official witnesses and i signed as the officiant or whatever yeah. the technical term is there yeah. uh for the state the state thing and uh you know and so they're they're married that way because and i think a lot of it has to do with just how much record keeping goes on today versus you know a few hundred years ago and and things like that like just think about it like even just that we have driver's licenses whereas you know 300 years ago it's like you know if you had the horse you could ride the horse and like you know yeah. <laughs> you didn't have a driver's license you didn't have to keep we didn't have all that paperwork yeah and things um and so and so i think with that uh you know that is a good thing but i do think you're right that kind of that loss of the religious sense of marriage is kind of damaging because it does make it does put that that marriage on a less firm foundation because it's just yeah. instead of like me you 
and the infinite God. It's me and you alone, which is a whole lot less strong of a foundation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is 100% true. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask about when we before we kind of leave the historical piece is these secret marriages. You mentioned them, and I'm just, it's probably my journalistic background. I'm so curious, what were they and, and why? I'm not sure the whole the whole why. I think a lot of times it would be, you know, kind of eloping, oh, like the, okay. the old fashioned version of eloping and things okay. like that. Yeah. But then they wouldn't. But then it wouldn't be clear even from behavior or things like that where it wasn't clear who's married to who. And like marriage by its nature is supposed to be public, and part of that public is that so, you know, like, you know, they know you're you're married, so they don't like somebody of the opposite sex doesn't approach you and think, yeah. oh, maybe I can flirt with them, and maybe you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's yeah. like I was. You know, it's like, oh, I just was talking to somebody else and they're like, oh, they're wearing a wedding ring. If somebody was single and they're like, oh, they're wearing a wedding ring. I can't I can't flirt with them. Otherwise, I would. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, and in that sense, uh, and and that's valuable in, in, in society. There's a whole kind of thing. I'm not a super expert in that specific area. I just know that that was a little bit of an issue five, six hundred years ago. And that's yeah. why they instituted that. What what's now called canonical form, uh, okay. which is required for all Catholics to get married. So, yeah, you know, either in the church or with in exceptional cases outside the church with approval from the church. Sure. So, okay, so we've looked at you know the initial thing that happened with Brittany, which is what got us here. Then we've looked at kind of what makes a Catholic marriage a Catholic marriage. We've looked at the historical reasons behind it, and I think we've even gotten into a really important topic, which is kind of the societal trends and um, you know that maybe some of the loss of of religion in, in marriage today. So um, I think this is a good time as we kind of round up here to talk about any misconceptions that um, people have, uh, maybe against the Catholic Church and marriage. So I'll be honest, one thing I kind of thought because my friend. Um, the friend that I mentioned earlier in the podcast who now lives in France, she converted. I, at one point, thought that you had to be Catholic <laughs> to get married in the church, right? Yeah, well, um, whereas only one party does, you, right, you know. Right, Like, my, my grandma was got married with my grandpa in the Catholic church, and she was and she was buried a Presbyterian. She was a Presbyterian when she got married. She was buried a Presbyterian, you know, 40-some years later. Yeah. No, 50-some, because they, they had their 50th anniversary. So oh, Yeah, that's special. So I think one of the things that happens sometimes is that people hear of certain things, and they don't always understand the first, that they don't always understand the historical context of why. And then they may not even understand kind of the full, the principle in entirety, right? Uh, like the example here of, you know, only one person needs to be Catholic and not both. Are there other societal misconceptions you can think of that you just like to point out and explain? Well, I think the biggest one is a lot of people think of like an annulment as just a Catholic divorce, whereas an annulment is saying that that never happened. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the law actually, the second law even has annulments for marriages, but they're, they're much rarer than in, in the church because... You know, I remember I was hearing about some some celebrity or something, and they got married while drunk in Vegas. And the next day, oh, they didn't want to they didn't want to be married, and they got an annulment as if that marriage never happened because they're like, I was I was drunk out of my mind. I wasn't free to consent. You know, and and the and the, and the state even recognized that yeah. that that wasn't a valid marriage. So like, so the Catholic Church we have annulments, but the annulment is not to say you can get divorced is to say that this marriage never happened because of, of some some defect, whether it's like, yeah. you know, 
one person was, you know, basically lying on the forms and said they were, they wanted to be exclusive, but really they, not, they wanted yeah. to, you know, you know, sleep around with all kinds of women, uh, or or something like that, or like they weren't free, or or different different issues like that that make it so that the marriage never actually happened, which is different from a divorce, which is saying this marriage happened, but we can eliminate, we can we can break it off and have a new marriage, uh, and I, and 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 that really goes back to that idea of it's union between Christ and the church, and the union of Christ and the church is eternal. It doesn't just break off. You yeah. know, when there's a when there's a little bit of a challenge, like you know, because the church is imperfect, and like you know, this bishop or this priest does something bad, it's not like oh, we break off the union of Christ in the church. Yeah, and I remember you you referenced that in the article that I that I mentioned at the beginning of this with Brittany. You said that in order to be able to get married in the Catholic Church, she would also need to have had, I think, annulments on her previous two marriages. Is yeah, right? it might have even been her that had the one where she was drunk. <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it it might have been like she was drunk and it was like the next day she got annulment for that, which sec- in a secular one. I just remember I read that somewhere in the last year or so. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, that's the, you know, that's the reality on on the thing is you need to, you need to resolve those depending, you know, there's different circumstances, but, you know, it's not... A lot of times when you're getting married in situations like that, like <laughs> drunk in Vegas or even, you know, in Vegas, not so drunk out of your mind that you that legally it's it's not allowed in we, we might have a little higher standard for, you know, yeah. you're competent to make this choice than the state would. Yeah. In that sense, if you're kind of, you know, drunk on a bender in Vegas or something. Yeah. Um, so I, I am so glad you brought this up because divorce and annulments are not something that we have covered here um are there ever any reasons for a divorce or an annulment that the catholic church would recognize as valid such as you know abuse or something like that well so like the thing is that there's a distinction here in the sense that like a civil divorce uh-huh. if there's abuse i you know like separation and if need be civil divorce for you know to protect the other person 100 sure. percent, the church supports that uh, you know, uh, to support the ones so they don't get like beat up or things like that. Or, yeah, really hard, you know, yeah. that may be, there may be something in there that's showing a, a an annulment previously. Like if if mm. the person who was abusive was basically threatening yeah. the other person yeah. to the point that they felt that if they didn't go through with the marriage, yeah. they would be like beat to death. That's obviously like a lack of that might well I shouldn't say obviously that but there's very likely a lack of freedom in that. So there could be an annulment on that. But it's not that, okay, you know, uh, this person, this man or woman was abusive, therefore the marriage is, is, can be annulled. And a civil divorce can often be needed to protect the, the, the other spouse and the kids and things like sure. that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, okay, that's helpful to understand. Uh, and then any other kind of misconceptions that you, that you think are worth? I think that that's the biggest one. I yeah. think of the annulments and then like your thing about that. I think a lot of people, you know, I think we already kind of went over it to some of the details, uh, you know, why the churches, you know, requires things like, you know, only a man or a woman or like openness to children, things like that. But I think we already went over that earlier in the podcast. Yeah, sure. Okay, so let's just recap uh, the reasons why Brittany couldn't get married in the church. So she goes and she sees this beautiful church in LA and she wants to get married there and then she can't. Well, the first thing is one of the two has to be Catholic and I don't know if Brittany is Catholic. She was raised Baptist. She's expressed interest in the Catholic church in previous posts, 
but exactly how far along that's gone or what's happened in that regard is not publicly available. I don't have any special knowledge. I just have what's publicly You're available. You're not calling her up on the phone to ask. <laughs> nope, I don't have her number. Uh, I just have, you know, the news reports that are out there. And and then they would have to, you know, do some kind of, usually do some kind of preparation, usually for a short period of time, make sure that yeah. everything's set. And, you know, obviously meeting with a priest or meeting with a, mar- a couple who's been married a while or stuff like that. And, uh, you know, agreed all the things we've gone over, you know, as far as the, you know, different things for Catholic, uh, being a Catholic wedding, you know, and that, you know, we we want exclusive just us, permanent. We want, we are open to kids and, you know, we're going to raise the kids Catholic. But it's, uh, but a lot of those, it's not clear. She just kind of said, oh, they need some kind of test, which <laughs> is kind of vague in that sense. Yeah. And, uh, and, and things. So that's, that would be why she couldn't, uh, you know, she's welcome to become Catholic and uh, follow through with those things. But sure. that might take a little bit of time for her to become Catholic or or her uh, fiancé to become Catholic. I don't know the exact details of his life either. So Right. But if he had been Catholic, yeah. then and they had agreed to those three things, it is likely then that they could have gotten married in the church. Yes. Right. <laughs> Even if she herself weren't. Exactly. I right. mean, it's just like, uh, you know, I have a brother-in-law who was who was not Catholic when they got married. He's Catholic now, but he wasn't when my he, he married my sister and they had a wedding, you yeah. know, in the in the church my family goes to and everything. So Would her previous marriages have had to have been annulled in order for her to get married in the church? Yes. Uh you know, I would you'd have to go into the details on those. Uh what okay. the issues are. I don't know. Uh I don't know enough about like Brittany's <laughs> yeah. romantic life to <laughs> to make any any comment on that. Although given the kind of past and the kind of way celebrities are, there's yeah. a reasonably good chance that there would that an annulment would be possible in those cases. Sure. Sure. Well, it's been really enlightening personally for me to have you here today, Father. And I appreciate it so much. Thank you. And I hope it's been helpful for you, our audience, too. If you're enjoying Conversatio, like, share, and tell your friends. You can find us on Google Play, uh, the App Store, Spotify, and anywhere that you usually find your podcasts. Uh, Until next time, I'm Julia Long. God bless. God bless.